Well, for the sermon, let's turn to one more passage, um, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. The apostle writes, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, the word of the Lord. Pray, pray with me for a moment. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity to read. And we pray now that you will help us, Lord, to hear your word. Lord, we pray that we would receive it with faith and love. We would hide it in our hearts and practice it in our lives. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, maybe, maybe I need this sermon as much as anybody else does. I think I always need a sermon like this. But let me start by saying this. How many of you know what an earworm is? Yeah, okay, we got people who know what an earworm is. It's, it's not literally a worm that goes into your ear and, you know, kids, have, you have to get it out. It's not that. I mean, if you go and you look what, what it says on the Internet or look at what an earworm is, it'll tell you this. It'll say, it's when a piece of music gets stuck in your head and you keep hearing it even when you're not hearing it, even when you're not listening to it, it's still there. And it's a phenomenon that all of us know about, that piece of music that's in your head and it's playing all the time. I mean, you know, didn't Paul McCartney back in the 70s sing a song, I Love You, and he, he said it 17 times in a row? I mean, you just can't get it out of your mind. And this phenomenon, it happens, it's normal. 98% of the people in the world experience these earworms. In fact, they say that um, they uh, irritate women. They last longer in women, and they irritate women more than men. Um, the reason, I think, for these earworms is due to the fact we have so much repetitious music catchy phrases we have commercials that i can remember the seminary south commercial for fort worth texas even today when i was fifth grade these things get stuck in our heads and reach researchers tell us that an earworm will not go away unless you replace it with another earworm i want to talk about another earworm today and we laugh about it and most of the time these things are not destructive but there is an earworm that is destructive. And in our, pa our passage of Scripture here, we have it telling us about a destructive earworm, and I'm going to call it anxiety. Anxiety earworms. The word anxiety means to debate. It means to brood about things you don't have any control over. Unreasonable worry. Things that harass us entangle us. We debate over these things. We wake up at three in the morning and we just debate over it. We can't go back to sleep. And we have to figure out what we're going to do with it, right? We talked about this the other day with the men. What am I going to do with all this stuff that's harassing me at 3.15 in the morning? These things go on and on and on and they don't stop. And some of these things can damage us, paralyze us. We sit there and they hurt us and Eventually, if they hurt us, they're going to hurt other people as we talk to them. 
Well, let's talk about some of these really quickly because they abound. There's the media earworm. <laughs> the right is against the left. The left is against the right. And if you don't, if you want to know it, just turn it on. Uh, I, I would suggest you listen to less of it than you used to if you listen to it at all. I've never seen people more unhappy than truckers who listen to too much talk radio. Can't do anything about it. I would suggest listen to sermons. <laughs> There's the anxiety earworm about the taxes. There's the anxiety of the earworm about better, the grass is greener on the other side. You look over the fence, you see the grass is greener, and you just think, oh, if I just have that grass. And you just worry yourself silly over it. You know, folks, listen, I know this is hard to believe, but it's, there's no greener grass. It just looks that way. But we get tempted over it. We get choked up over it. There's earworms in the church. We've talked about earworms in Philippi, and we have our own earworms that we have to deal with here. What about the ones outside the church? We're constantly being told to redefine marriage. We're constantly being told to get in line with the culture. We're constantly being told we're not in line or we're out of step with history. We're constantly being told to reformulate the gospel. I sat at a table a few weeks ago and this woman told me to my face, I don't think my minister will ever tell me that anything is wrong. Well, what kind of gospel is that? You don't have to repent of anything. Everybody's included. God loves. God loves. God is love. God is love. All these things outside the church. And then there's the ones that are inside the church. Last week we talked about Euodia. We talked about Sintiki. And Paul is saying, you gals need to get together. Your names are written on the book of life. You are fellow workers. You have been struggling with me in the cause of the gospel. And you can't sit down and have a what? Ben, what? A cup of coffee. Right? And if you gals don't get together, there's going to be the spinoff. The Euodians are going to form, the Sintikians are going to form, and all of them are going to be debating over who's right and who's wrong. Got to get these things to get back together. I'm, you know, and folks, listen, I, I, one time somebody asked me, said, where did that sermon come from? I said, it came from my life. I remember somebody sitting down and talking to my wife when I was 31, and she said, we don't know if your husband is Satan incarnate or not. What do you do with something like that? What do you do when somebody says that about you? I mean, friend, you can go debating on that. You can think about that and turn into, turn into nothing but unforgiveness and bitterness. Anger. Well, a little bit of anger, probably. What are you going to do with stuff like that? Well, I had to learn what to do with that when I was 30. I did go over to that guy's house. I bought him a book. <laughs> I gave him knowing God. When he broke his arm. There's other earworms. We, I do know the answer. And there's one more I want to bring up. And they're kind of personal earworms. We all know. If you're a Christian, you know what you're supposed to do when you hear one of these statements. You know what you're supposed to do. But you go out and if you sin, it's a personal thing. You go out and you sin. You know what you're supposed to do. You know you're supposed to come to God. Our confession, confession lays it out real pretty. Prettily. What does it say? It says, come to, come to God in prayer through the name of Jesus Christ, acknowledging His mercies, knowing that He forgives you. These are the ways we are to do it. And you know what we do? We say, look at what you just did. Can you believe what you just did? You failed again. 
you're such a loser. In the sermon, I'm going to talk about giant despair, talking to Christian and hopeful. You know what giant despair says to Christian and hopeful? You ought to kill yourselves. You shouldn't even be here. That's what we do to ourselves. These are earworms. These are things that can hurt us. These are things, if we don't deal with them, we'll begin to deal with them in improper ways. So what are we going to do with these these videos that are in our minds when somebody said something to us that we, we seem to not be able to forget it? About these earworms when people say things and we have that video clip recorded and it's just going around and around. I can't change the government. I can't change the fact that that person said that to me. I can't change the fact that I still can see it in my mind. It's there. I can't change stuff about outside the church. I can't stand, uh, change the fact that sin is inside the church. I can say that we need to do conflict resolution. But I, today, the thing I want to tell you about is this. The only way to replace one earworm is, as the researchers say, with another one. And what is it? It's prayer. It's prayer. It's rehearsing truth in your mind. It's rehearsing God's Word in your mind. It's taking God's Word and praying it back to Him. This is how we have to deal with these anxieties. Relieving our anxiety through prayer. Here's point number one, the prohibition against anxiety. Point number two, the prescription for anxiety, which is prayer. And number three, the promise for prayer about anxiety. Let's look at number one real quick. The prohibition against anxiety. He says in verse six, be anxious for nothing. No anxieties allowed. These endless spinning worms. This endless debating, this endless thinking through things that were said to me that shouldn't have been said. They shouldn't have been said to you. There's no getting around that. Some things shouldn't have been said to you. These things that drive us crazy. But what am I going to do with this stuff? He says not to do this. Okay, we're, we got. it's good to be told not to do something, but I need to know why and how to get over it. But first, don't do it. Be anxious for what? How many things can you be anxious for? Anything? He says, for nothing. The scope of it all is everything is excluded. And I think what the Apostle Paul is doing here is he's talking about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he says, be anxious, be not anxious about your life. Be not anxious about what you eat. Be not anxious about what you eat, you drink. Be not anxious about your life. Be not anxious about what you wear. Be not anxious about tomorrow. In Matthew 6, Jesus is telling us that to be worried and anxious about these things is to act like a pagan person. <laughs> if you call God your father, you have no reason to be anxious and worried about anything. That's to behave like a pagan person. So you and I who call God father and call Jesus our savior, you and I, we come and we need to remember. He said, our father knows what we need before we ask him. He knows we need all things. Our Heavenly Father feeds the birds. He feeds the, He takes care of the grass out there on the field. He clothes the fields with grass. He clothes the fields with beautiful lilies. And will He not take care of us as well? So first, the prohibition against anxiety is be anxious for nothing. Well, then He tells us the prescription, which is prayer. The prescription for our anxiety is, is prayer. You, what do I do? <laughs> What's the RX? Well, the RX is to pray. 
We need to talk about prayer. You know, isn't there a statement that Mr. Bennett makes about Mrs. Bennett and her nerves? Her nerves have been my constant friends for all these years. Isn't that right? On Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) Her nerves have been my constant friend for, for all these years. I want to say, Lord, these harassing things and all these debates and all these earworms and all these things that have hurt my feelings, haven't they been my constant friend for all these years? What am I going to do in the place of it? He says, pray. Pray. When we sit down, and Brian, this is for Brian, this is, you know, if you go to a licensure exam on the floor of Presbyterian, if you go for an ordination exam, what you're going to be asked is, what are the means of grace? And the answer is the word, sacraments, and prayer, right? And that's what we say, word, sacraments, and prayer. Well, we all really love the word part. And we all really love the baptism, and we all love the Lord's Supper part. But what about the prayer part? Now, we know we're supposed to. Listen to what G.K. Chesterton said about prayer. He said, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. I want to take that and think about prayer for just a second. Christians do pray, but we do find it difficult. If you call yourself a Christian, you're going to pray, but you may find it difficult. And I think with his words, I think we ought to say, Have we found prayer difficult and really left it untried, unproven? I mean, do you really go for it when you pray? I'm not saying you have to pray for an hour. I'm just saying when you do pray, you ought to pray. You ought to go for it. Don't we go for it when we do other things? When I go work out, ask Evan. Ask Evan who does more work in the gym than anybody. I went to sleep at 10 o'clock the other night. I was wore slap out. Why? When I go to the gym, I'm going for it. When I go hunting, I'm going for it. When I go fishing, I'm going for it. When I get ready to go on some trip, man, I get packed up and we're going for it, right? Do you go for it in prayer? Jesus says, ask and seek and knock. And he says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And he says, if you do it, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show you myself. Do we go for it? I took Evan over when we lived in California. There was a, we didn't have anything but flat. It's all flat. It's all trees, all almond trees, water going all the time and flat. But there's a ditch over there where the water can drain. We call it. I call it the ditch. It's really a dog run, a place to catch water on the roads. And but it went 14 steps down, 10 steps across, and 14 steps up. And I said, if we're going to go up Mount Rose, which is six miles up, we have to go down and up. And down and up. He got sick of that ditch. What is wrong with you, Dad? Why do you keep down and up and down and up? It's, it's only, 24, what, 28 plus 10. It's 38 steps long. But it was the only place to go down and up. And I'd go down and up for an hour. Are we doing that? Are we getting ready to pray? Over and over, I face this fact. <laughs> It's so easy to want to read a little bit more. It's so easy to want to get up and go do... Do I really go for it when I pray? And Paul really means business here. How many times does he talk about prayer? Well, look at the synonyms. He says prayer. He says supplication. He says thanksgiving. He says request. So when you and I pray, you and I are like breathing in the Word of God. We read it 
and we go back to Him with the Word. We read it in and we take it out and we breathe it back out. We use His words to pray through Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can deal with these harassing cares. When I was 19 years old, I worked on the highway department. And one of my wonderful jobs that I used to do is I walked up and I told the men, back up that dump truck over here, put the dump truck right here. I'd go over and I'd pull this little circle off of something and I'd pull a handle down. And that sucker would raise that bed and dump all that stuff out on the ground and go get another load. And you and I, when we pray, we need to see ourselves as dumping a load of stuff on a God who cares for us. Active prayer. Prayer that relieves anxiety is active prayer. You think, Pastor, Pastor, I close my eyes and I just go to sleep. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to fix that. You will not be able to sleep if you'll do what I tell you to do. Because see, this is active prayer. Let your request be made known to God. So you got to get all yourself involved. Okay, man. I'm going to get you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Think about the word casting. Okay, so here we are. God's going fishing. Casting. Am I into it? Can I go to sleep while I'm pitching a jig? Can I go to sleep while I'm casting my rod? Can I go to sleep? No, I can't. I'm fully involved in this thing. So you get your Bible out and you say, How, I'm not going to go to sleep if I pray this morning. Well, no, you're not. You're going to get your Bible out and read it out loud. Go somewhere and read it out loud. <laughs> and then turn around and pray out loud. Nobody goes to sleep standing up reading and praying out loud. Nobody goes to sleep when they're typing their sermons out on the computer. Nobody goes to sleep when they get their pen out and they write their sermons out by hand. We're in it. We're casting. We're doing this. In Matthew 15, the Syrophoenician woman, she comes to Jesus. Remember, he's trying to get away from everybody. He went into a house hoping to escape being noticed, but she saw him. And so she goes over there to him and she starts pleading with him. I've got a demon-possessed daughter. I'm totally undone over it. Jesus acts like she's not even there. I preached to you all that before. You know, what's wrong with your manners, Jesus? Jesus acts like she's not there. Well, now listen to me. Think about it like this. The answer to her problem sits right there in front of her. So does she stop casting or does she continue? This person can give sight to the blind. This person can make people hear who can't hear. Do I keep casting or do I, okay, I've done the best I can, I'll quit. Am I going for it or not? If you go fishing, you go take your fishing rod out and you see a 15-pound bass right there and he hasn't taken the bait. You just keep flipping it over there and you keep waiting, see if he'll bite. So, oh, well, I guess she's not going to bite. I guess I'll go down the road somewhere else. No, you just keep going. And that's what this woman does. She keeps on casting until Jesus says, Woman, your faith is great. And her daughter was healed. She got what she needed. And you and I, we need to do the same thing. Lord, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to dump this stuff on you. And I'm going to expect you to relieve me. You said you would. So we take these verses of Scripture and we think about these things and we run them through our minds. We make them our own. So here's Jacob. Jacob, his last time he saw Esau, Esau was ready to get said, I'm going to kill you next time I see you. 20 years later, <laughs> Jacob's expecting Esau to kill him. So he sets out 
Leah and all that entourage. He sets out Rachel and all her entourage. And then he goes and he hides by the fort of the Jabbok. And he's alone by himself. And guess who's he start, who he starts wrestling with? He starts wrestling with God. And he wrestles with God and God says to him, let me go. He says, I will not. <laughs> not till you bless me. That's going for it. That's active. That's going for it. Lord, I am going to wrestle with you. I'm going to bring all my cares to you. Can you not care for all these cares? If you cared for my sins, which are my greatest cares, can you not care for these things as well? So it's active. It includes everything. The prohibition is be anxious for nothing. The prescription is pray and bring these things to everything by prayer. One commentator put it this way, the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. The biggest things and the smallest of things. God wants to be intimate in all these things. Another thing, so prayer that relieves anxiety, it's active, it includes everything, and it's worshipful. But in everything by prayer, the word prayer has the idea of worship. When the man was healed of of his eyesight in John 9, it says that he worshipped Jesus. The same word. He bowed down to the ground and he worshipped Jesus. It speaks of having a body and a soul bent towards God. Worship. Many people today, they bow down with their bodies, but their heart's not in it. And many people bow down... And maybe they're all into it, but they don't even know who they're talking to. But you do. You know who you're talking to. And you know to get down on your knees, in your heart if you want to, use that just as a figure of speech. Get down in your heart and go to God the Father who treats you like a father, who gives His Son for you, whose Holy Spirit works in you, knowing that He cares for you. Bring all these Videos that you can't get out of your mind. Bring all these things. There's tape recordings. I can still hear the guy screaming at me going, You're a liar! I can still hear it. What am I going to do with that? (laughs) My kids kind of get... They don't know who it is. or Maybe they do now. But it's real stuff. What am I going to do with this? I'm going to get out and I'm going to worship. I'm going to give these things to God. Another point. Prayer that relieves anxiety is pointed, is specific. But in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. The word supplication speaks of specific things. In Psalm 5 verse 3 it says this, the psalmist says, In the morning I will order my prayer to you. And the word order there can be translated arrange. Arrange. That word was used in the Old Testament to talk about wood being arranged for a sacrifice. That word order can be translated arranged as in arranging the two rows of bread on the holy table in the holy place. Arrange two rows, six each. I will arrange my prayers. I will outline my prayers and I will lay them out before you. Specific prayers. Now, before you get too upset at me, if it gets real messy when you pray, that's okay. <laughs> well, Pastor, my prayer, it wasn't all order. It wasn't all beautiful. Well, probably when it's really difficult, it's not going to be real pretty. But just keep on going to the Lord with your prayers. 
prayer that relieves anxiety is also filled with thanksgiving. This is one of the reasons I think that, that you should use the Psalms when you pray because they're just so full of gratitude and thanksgiving. All these things have to be replaced with thanksgiving. It needs to be the, the background music in your heart that's playing behind the scenes, if you will. Jesus says in Matthew 6 to go into a closet and close the door. Now, most of you guys are not doing what's going on there in Matthew 6, trying to show out in front of everybody, right? Trying to show out and make sure everybody knows you're praying. I don't see any of you standing on the side of the road out here making sure everybody sees you're praying. But you do. It's a good idea to go into a room and close the door. One of the things that I miss about our new situation here, well, our kids are older. But when our kids were younger, I had a six, 17-year-old, 7-year-old, 5-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And my wife's restroom was full of verses. And I would go into that room and just look at all those verses on the wall in that restroom. I kind of miss that. It was a different part of our life. Right now, she didn't, maybe she needs to put more on this one now than ever. But it was a place to hide. I know there's other things you do there, but there's a place. To, there's verses everywhere. To be alone and praise the Lord and, and think about Him. And Thanksgiving is just this overwhelming response uh, to God who has loved me and saved me out of this misery and the deadness in my sins. He saved me out of that through His Son. He gave His Son, saved me out of my sin and out of my misery. And now what am I full of? Well, I'm to be full of gratitude. I was listening to Rosaria Butterfield share her testimony. She became a Christian in 1999 and she was a professor at Syracuse and she was, I think she was the leader of the lesbian group there. And um, she says, you know, now she's married to a minister and she has four kids. She's written several books. She was preparing the bread for the Lord's Supper and she began to weep over her sins. She began to be very anxious and upset and then she looked at the bread. <laughs> well, what's the bread preach? What's the bread preach to a person who knows the Word of God? Well, it preaches the broken body of Christ for my sins. And so she says that her anxiety was swallowed up with thanksgiving. Gratitude. Background music. Background music of the soul, of a saved soul. Um, when you go to the mall or when you go to a store, don't you recognize it when there's no music playing? The other day, the, the internet over at our side of town, where am I, down that way, the, the um, music wasn't playing. Where's that background music? Why do they have background music going on at the mall? Why do they have background music going on while you're trying on suits? Why? They want you to have a pleasant time. <laughs> they want you to stay longer. They want you to get a brownie at the end of your meal. They want you to buy one more, one more shirt. They want it to be pleasing. And so the background music of the soul saved by grace is a, is a soul that's singing psalms full of grace, full of gratitude, full of thankfulness. Well, finally, here's, here's the end. Let's look at the promise for prayer about anxiety. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's that. That's a stupendous thing. <laughs> the peace of God 
infinite and un, something you cannot comprehend can be yours? Can we define it? Can you define finite people? Can we define infinite peace? We can't. We'll do the best we can. But it's something we can't do. Christ, in Christ, we have the peace of God when we pour ourselves out in prayer. What's this peace? Well, think about it. The peace of God is a peace that God possesses. He owns it. He's like a big, gigantic castle, and on the inside, there's total calm. There's total serenity. You know, when you go uh, skiing, I don't know, maybe y'all don't go skiing, but when you go skiing, you know what kind of water you want? You want glass. No no uh, white caps, no waves, no ripples. You want glass. Well, inside God, there's just total glass. Totally calm. But it's more than that. It's a peace that gives. So God, He sees us in our situation that we're in and He sends the Prince of Peace to make peace between ourselves and God. He's the mediator and He brings us together with God by the great love that He has for us. And when He comes after the resurrection, He goes to the disciples. And remember, He goes through the walls and He looks at them and He says, Peace be to you. And He says it more than once. Peace be to you. And then he shows them his hands. He shows them his feet. Shows them his side and says, this is how peace was made. So it's a peace that belongs to God. It's a peace that gives. And it even goes more than that. Because he tells us if we give ourselves to prayer. If we go for it. If we keep casting. If we keep trying it. If we keep proving it. What will we find out? Well, he says he's going to give us his peace. We can't even understand. If you and I will be active and we will be worshipful and we will bring our pointed request to Him with thanksgiving, we have this peace that we just talked about. In the Apostles' Day, remember we talk a lot when we go through the Apostle Paul. He was very acquainted with all the Roman things, right? Because he's there handcuffed between two Roman guards as he writes this letter. So he's very knowledgeable about Roman soldiers that would be dispatched to a city when it's under assault. And you and I were under assault by all these earworms and by all these, you know, things that are recorded, things that we see in our minds. We have these things that are there. What are you going to do with them? There's still, there's there's something I can tell you if I start thinking about them 30 years ago, I can get just as in a tizzy as I would be then. He says this, he says, When you give yourself to me in prayer, it's a brand new earworm. You give yourself to me in prayer, I'm going to dispatch soldiers to camp out in front of you. And you know what's interesting when all those Roman soldiers show up in front of a city? (laughs) The people that try to invade the city, they kind of want to go away. Because they don't want to mess with those guys. Those are some bad dudes. Roman soldiers were some bad dudes. So you're the city and God is your peace. He's the one who sends the soldiers to surround you and to protect you from all these invading earworms. What explains it? The finger of God alone explains it. So you and I, as uh, Augustine said, pray as if all of it depended and depends upon God. Give yourself to prayer and you'll find as it says here in Isaiah 26, 3, when your mind is stayed on God, 
when you trust in God, God will keep you in perfect peace. Prayer is hard, but don't leave it unproven. Don't leave it unproven. Go try. Go give yourself to it. And if you don't do so good one week, keep trying. (laughs) Keep going and taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we look to You. We're people. We have things that come at us. Things we remember. Things we hear on TV. Things that worry us. Um, things that eat at our soul and compete in our hearts for our attention. Sometimes they cause us to be full of anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness. So, Lord, instead of these things eating us away, help us to relieve our anxieties and these earworms that can hurt us by turning everything around and bringing them to you and bringing them to a God who cares about everything that we do, everything about our lives. Help us to dump these things on you because you care for us and then to be relieved and go out and know your peace and be useful in your hands. We praise you for this time. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sing after.